0: Uh, happy Friday, folks, and welcome to the Good Trouble Podcast. Where we have curated conversations for racial and economic justice in the Commonwealth and beyond. My name is Reggie Williams. I'm one of your co-hosts here with Mr. Gregory Ball. Greg, how are you doing today?
1: Man, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. It's Just all right. We're, well, you know what what is? Um, we're in the home stretch before we go to Embrace Ideas Festival, which is the first edition that we we were doing for King Boston's our first year of doing the festival. Yeah. Um, and today is the day we're releasing tickets and all that good stuff. So, there's been a lot of work, and we're looking super. We're super excited and looking forward to the festival and bringing like thought leaders together, bringing artists together, and you know, with it being our first year, we wanted to combine the the work that we do culturally with the work that we do in terms of, of conversations or, um about bettering bettering lives for everybody, and you know the. I just have this vision of where we can go and I'm super excited about it. And and part of that vision is is joining us today. Our guest on the podcast today is artist and resident King Boston Artist and Resident, uh Kayovani. K welcome to the Good Trouble Podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for coming. You're a busy lady doing busy lady stuff. You know
2: what I mean? <laughs> I guess so. It comes, it comes in um like in bulk like in waves and Mm -hmm. so there's times where I have like you know a lot of rest and I get to uh, recharge and then there's other times where I'm doing something every single day like something heavy every day um but so yeah so I've I've gotten used to the waves Um, and so I take advantage of rest when it when it when it comes very
1: smart very smart so listen, we want to get started. Let's let's get everybody familiar with you. You know, we know we talked about you joining um, joining King Boston's Artist in Residence, um, but let's talk about your artistry. Like, you know, where'd you grow up at? What what part of the part of the world did you grow up in? Where where did they where did they create Kevano?
2: <laughs> so I grew up in Lawrence, Mass. Uh, up until I was. Uh, 18 and then I became a Boston resident and I've been a Boston I'm 33 now and I've been a Boston resident ever since so my life is kind of split in half between Lawrence and Boston at this point um so a lot of my college and adult life um uh live performing uh uh working with live bands uh relationships all the good stuff happened to me that the, in, in boston the real like uh, yeah but um my foundation my very important foundation was in lawrence massachusetts and i really would not be who i am without th- growing up in the dopest city uh, in massachusetts i mean okay so yeah. <laughs> yeah and we can make an argument about what i mean lawrence is <laughs> Hey, well, reality you're... is subjective to perspective, so that's uh-huh. just, that's me.
1: <clears throat> well, why w- well, why was Lawrence the, the, the dopest city for you? What was it about Lawrence that, that makes you have that feeling towards it?
2: Um, well, I grew up in a very nurturing uh, community. Shout out to Mikey Martinez, uh, Miso, uh, who was the director of the youth center I grew up going to, which was called Hope Street Youth Center. Um and I was just very nurtured. I was nurtured. Um, I grew up in a lot of, around a lot of culture. I grew up um, around a lot of uh, mentorship and accountability. And and like I said, just real heavy in culture. Like I was able to stay tapped into my culture even though I didn't grow up in the Dominican Republic. Um, I was able to really uh, be in a, it was dope to be in a small bubble. It's almost like little DR uh, in Lawrence. And, it was really dope to still have that experience and for my mom to be able to live somewhere, migrate somewhere that felt comfortable and felt safe for her to be herself. Um and so that community just that safety allowed me to even through trauma and whatever what what come, you know, whatever came with it, um that safety and that community that I had uh kept me alive, you know. So yeah. And it's just a lot of color, a lot of culture, a lot of um, people, personality, shapes, sizes, sounds. Like when people ask me what kind of music I do, I say that I'm a fusion of sounds. And like, that's that's because I grew up in Lawrence. We grew up with merengue, bachata, salsa blasting in the streets, but we love Jay-Z. We grew up, we chose hip-hop as a part, we made hip-hop a part of our culture. Like we, you know what I mean? It just, I had, I was able to grow up in the streets with all of that. Like, so that's why I think Lawrence is one of the dopest cities.
1: That's a pretty good argument. That's
2: like, I'll I'll
1: take that.
0: And what are your, what are your instruments, Keavani? Can you tell us a little bit more about how that shows up in your artistry?
2: Yeah. So uh, my principal instrument is voice. But um, I play a little bit of drums and I'm learning how to play congas. Um, but yeah, I also play with a loop machine uh, as of recently, as of pandemic developments. Um, yeah, so I've been playing with uh, my voice being an instrument more, and um, I'm naturally drawn to horns in, okay. uh, in music. And so I like to imitate horn sounds and I, I use that um, when I practice improv. and cute things like that so um I like to consider I, my first instrument was actually trumpet like literally it was trumpet but it was too loud for my mom she was over it um <laughs> so uh I was singing always happens simultaneously with everything but instrument wise the first one I picked up like with my hands was the trumpet and so I tried to imitate that with my voice but um yeah
0: How did you come to find the lute now in, in, you know, in the, in the pandemic vibe? Like, how did you, how did you come to find this new instrument in this moment?
2: Um, so I was tired of waiting for people to send me beats and like, uh, I was like I can make beats with my mouth like what the heck am I waiting for people for like I need to take myself seriously so people can maybe take me seriously enough to follow through and send me a beat when I ask for one you know and, and I yeah so it was just like me trying to be self uh efficient or self-sufficient I don't know which one it is but self-sufficient. yeah self-sufficient I'm just like yeah I gotta figure this out like I'm sitting in my crib ain't nobody sitting next to me like I'm all I got so how am I how am I going to do this? And so I started exploring and I had received a grant at the time. I forgot which grant it was, but um, I was able to invest some money into uh, my home studio. And that just, that became a part of my home, the equipment that I bought for my home studio. And yeah, I just started playing with my, with my voice on that thing, but uh, yeah, I'm still working on it.
0: Efficient and sufficient. I see you. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So you, you talked
1: about Hope Street was, how did, how did what was the 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 experience of of being there on a regular basis cuz we we many times we hear about you know kids in the communities all across the the state and across the country needing safe spaces you know how important was was that for you and you know in, in your development and in your artistry it
2: was it was extremely important because especially because there was a um a cultural barrier between me and my mother um, it was a huge cultural barrier with her raising an American child, um, with a Dominican background. Um, and she came out here with an eighth grade education and she hustled her butt off and, you know, eventually owned property, worked for the same company for like 25 years and was able to retire. Um, my mom did her thing. She's still doing her thing. Um, and, uh, but there was a huge disconnect and almost even envy sometimes, which is interesting, like how your mom can be your biggest supporter and sometimes your biggest critic to your detriment sometimes. And so, um, I found that the cultural barrier found, she found herself in ways like almost bitter, like, Oh, you think, you know, more than me type of thing, you know? And, you know, I have an amazing mom, shout out to my mom, but I keep it real. I'm an open, I'm an open book. It is what it is. Um, and, it, the being able to go to a youth center after school and being able to go somewhere where there's other people who are also misunderstood by their family members and are there for a safe space and an outlet and we're all creatives and we're all transmuting our pain into our purpose and into our creativity, like to have community, to do that by yourself is, is super dope. Um, if you're able to carry that through, through, you know, pain and trauma, sometimes my emotions are so extreme. I need a little bit. I need to push. I need someone next to me that's creating too. You know what I mean? And so growing up, you know, some of the pain that I went through with being misunderstood at home, I was able to transmute that by being in that community. So it was like extremely important for me because I think, I don't think I would have been as confident as I am now. I don't think I would have been so deeply in purpose and confident confident in my purpose as I am now. Like I wouldn't, like, yeah, like it just it was it was affirming and it just built me up. And I was with people who if we had an open mic, I didn't have a choice. I had to hit the stage. They were holding me accountable for who I said I was going to be. You know what I mean? And it was like that accountability was so special because not only did they make sure I got on the stage, even though I didn't feel like freaking singing that day, they hyped me up while I was up, up there and they made me feel better than I did before I went up. You know what I mean? So yeah. And like you know, my mom, you know, it'd be it'd be your parents to humble the mess out of you because I'd be like, "Ma, what did you think about that performance?" And she'd be like, "It was nice, it was nice." And I'm like, "I sweating my butt off." Like, are you serious right now? So yeah, so it, it you know, there our parents humble us because they're like, "But did you clean your room?" Because I don't want to hear this until you clean your room, type thing. So like I was a star 15 minutes ago
1: you understand (laughs) they were screaming for me
2: (laughs) it's like you know stay humble stay humble um so yeah it was extremely important because it 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 built me up it built me up enough to be able to do what I'm doing now
1: so you you talked about that fusion that kind of came from being in Lawrence and I know you know one of the things that surprised me and I and the way I explain it to people when I talk about you I'm like yo she can rap and sing in Spanish and English like so you you like the the amount of 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 places that you can go with your artistry just is amazing. And like, you know, you have songs where you kind of mash all those things together and it is something that's is truly unique to hear. Like, you know, we have so since you joined us as a King Boston artist. Trust me, I have a couple of people on our team who are like, yo, I am okay, Ivani Stan. Like, I'm, you know, like I, like I take, they take it like every time they hear your name, they're like, where's she gonna be at? So they're super excited about you. Being oh, on so board. Yeah. So, but, you know, you talked about Hope Street, but then how did you get into the Boston space when you started talking about that creativity and how it got there? Cause I, and it feels like so, those are kind of connected to a degree.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I was, um, at the youth center and i was with my mentor who is now my manager and uh we were working on some so much so so much more uh but he is also my manager and he's like a father to me literally he's my father so it's funny to call him all these other things um uh mikey martinez uh he was cultivating a relationship with berkeley city music berkeley berkeley city music i believe uh you know latinos we say everything backwards so, Berkeley City Music, I believe, is the correct, correct way to say it. And he was cultivating a relationship with them and he had them come to one of our open houses. Like, we, were, we would always work on uh, these huge projects at quarterly, I, I believe, from what I remember, or whatever. Yeah, quarterly, where we, are, we would do showcases where our parents would come see what we've been working on at the youth center. And so he invited uh, Berkeley, the Berkeley City Music representatives at the time to come check out the kids. And they had, um, given a scholarship for their, for the five week program that Berkeley does every summer mm-hmm. and to one of the kids. And, you know, I was into basketball at the time and I was, I was just heavy on, I'm a play ball and I'm gonna study law in college. And that's what I'm gonna do. Like, so, but I was a part of this performance. And when the Berkeley rep- representative saw me, they were like, yo, we want her. And, Mikey was like, but that's not the shorty that you guys gave the scholarship to. And they're like, but we want her. Like, we'll give you more money if we can get her to come to our program. And uh, Mm. he pulled me aside. I was like, what the heck is a Berkeley? I really don't care that much. I'm not doing this. Like, And he was like, girl, I swear to God, if you don't just try this, just try it. If you don't like it, you can walk away. And I'll never, we don't even, I won't ever bother you about it again, but just try it. Do you know Berkeley is the number one? So he starts going in. Mm -hmm. mind you he had to pull me to the side because I'm looking at these representatives like thanks but I don't really care that much which is the hilarious part of you
1: had no mind you like you're like I'm good so you weren't even thinking about a career in music it was Mm -mm. just something you did for fun
2: yeah absolutely wow yeah so it was just I really just was convinced that I was going to be a basketball player and I wasn't even that great anyway but whatever I love ball um
1: <laughs> wait wait so wait you you were convinced you were going to the
2: WNBA <laughs> Not even, mind. I wasn't even thinking that far I wasn't even it wasn't that deep for me but at <laughs> the time I was just like this is what I want to do I want to I want to go to college I want to play basketball I want to study law it, I never did it was like oh I want to be on stage performing to thousands of people <laughs> like mm. it wasn't like originally the the goal but I was at home singing to Whitney Houston dancing to Selena like doing the whole nine but it was just what I love to do you know what mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't really like ah, I see my name in light you know um so yeah so anyway fast back to uh how I ended up at Berkeley so mm-hmm. they offered me a scholarship they got some more money they were only able to fund one kid from Lawrence and they made it so that I can come to Berkeley and I had been doing the city music program uh I did it my sophomore junior and senior year or was it my junior and senior year summer of sophomore going into junior year and on and I was Mm -hmm. going every Thursday Friday and Saturday I was hopping on the train and going to Berkeley and the moment that I hit with a live band there was no turning back like uh, uh, basketball started taking the back burner I was missing practices I was missing games whenever I could make it to the game because I missed practice I was benched like I had to make a choice because I was doing everything halfway and but I was at Berkeley every Thursday, Friday and Saturday for ensemble for my city music uh, musicianship class or whatever. So I fell in love. I, I fell in love when I hit with a live band and I've been hitting with a live band ever since. So my uh, adult uh, performing life has been developed in Boston, in Berkeley, through Berkeley, my relationships through Berkeley. But I think I've hit like every corner of Boston possible since. 2008 till now like i just wow. been loving uh, the music scene in boston and just loving on the people in it so
0: yeah. it sounds like the epitome of trusting the process and it all working out i mean and you also just haven't performed in boston i mean you have quite uh, an impeccable resume of where you performed internationally i'm seeing columbia mm-hmm. I, i'm seeing you know, in Brazil, can you talk a little bit about how you went from, you know, from thinking about law and basketball as your career options to seeing your name and performing with those ensembles globally, and what that experience was like for you?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was that was pure uh, walking on faith and and banking on the love that my mentor and I have given to people throughout our, our lifetime. So we were sponsored by different. uh Channels, different networks, including Berkeley, to be able to go on these tours, um, mm-hmm. and so, and also just people that we've worked with in the past, like even people that used to work uh, at the Youth Center we had as a network, who who uh, literally helped us set up the entire Colombia tour, which was my first international tour. Um, and that came from a relationship from the youth center that came Hmm. full circle. So we just been walking in faith and in love and the relationships, like, for example, as long as Greg and I have known each other, like there's always been a dope energy exchange. He always plugs me in. Like I always speak of him with respect. Like I would never be able to be in a room with, without, um, with Greg's name in it, without us reverencing the love that he's given us. You know what I mean? So It's like, it always comes full circle because it doesn't matter how long it's been since Greg and I have spoken. Like, as soon as I release something or as soon as something is going on, it's like, hey, I thought of you. What's up? And so that same energy is what basically helped us get sponsored and uh, move our tours. Same thing with Brazil, different networks. Um, But Berkeley was also a sponsor for that. And so we just... um, in building uh, my, my mentor and I have been working on my music career since, uh, 2016. And so we've just, with everything that we've built, we just kind of like, uh, sell me as a product to people and like, Hey, we can perform. And not only that, but we were also doing master classes and educating kids in these places by day. And we were performing by night. So we were able, we, we like just, it's in our blood. Like we grew up, in service we grew up in community so everywhere we go we look for community to service um and so we also did that on tours which was so amazing man that they set it up that way it was actually exhausting we we learned a lot we kind of uh, at some points were like giving more than we should have but god always replenished us and put us exactly where we needed to be at the right time it was just it's crazy like those experiences literally changed my life forever but yeah, that's that's how I ended up uh, traveling internationally. So we did Colombia, then we did Brazil. Um, and we, did, we also did a U.S. tour as well. Um, and they were all amazing, all completely different from each other, um, all enlightening and awakening. Um, and yeah, so.
0: Love live music, love being in person, love being together. And I think you really hit the nail on the head talking about how, stepping out on faith and the right networks and connections, making the experience and that sponsorship, having folks and advocates in the room working for you can really help make all the difference. And I really appreciate it as well. Uh, that context that you talked a little bit about, like the masterclasses and the training, you know, the business of music as well, like how you're able to pull all of these supports together to make a really rounded experience come together.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, a lot of people have the experience where, they feel like in order to be successful in their career that they have to leave um, the Boston area and they can't really be connected here. They got to go to LA, they got to go to New York or whatever. Um, And you've traveled, but you've, you've still come home or you come back back to the area. I mean, is that something that you've been thinking of that you've had to wrestle with? Was there a time when you were considering like, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. Like where, where have you been with that?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Everybody juggles with that thought. Like, am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I supposed to be moving here, shifting there? That, of course, of course, of course, we should always be pivoting and and examining our surroundings. But I found that my resources, like my most important resources, well, first of all, the pandemic changed everything. Not to bring that thing Mm -hmm. up because I'm really tired of talking about it, but it changed everything. And it really like showed us that it really doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> like you can do whatever you want from wherever you at. Like people have no idea where I'm even at right now. You know what I mean? And we're able to have this conversation and when we put it out, I'm probably going to be in a different place than where I'm at now. You know what I mean? So it's like, who knows? Right. Mm-hmm. So time is a, uh, is almost like an illusion right now. Time and space is almost an illusion. Like I could be in Boston in one in the morning and I could be having lunch in the Dominican Republic by the afternoon. And you would never know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, when I came to terms with that um, and I was, I actually was pushed out of my nest by a family situation where I had to leave Boston for a few months. Um, and when I realized like what I loved from Boston and what, and how much, what I didn't miss and how I was, I'm just detached from space altogether. Um, I, there's so much about Boston that is still home base. The resources, the network, the the, like the, yeah, the love the the fact that I've grown <laughs> with the people that I'm working with is so important to me. Um, all of that is in Boston for me. I, I, I think we have the best uh, hospital systems, uh, uh, have, we have the best educational systems. Everything obviously can be fixed. Every, I mean everything not fixed. everything can be improved. But I just feel like when I outweigh the odds of like Boston and other places, there's so, so many pros for me to always be attached to home. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm also a floating soul. Like I'm, I'm not that person that's like, oh my God, this is home. I'll never rep nothing. Like I, I come from an immigrant family and technically the way we grow up is that we belong nowhere because we're already on borrowed land by being here. So mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't ruffle too many feathers. So, in growing up like that, it's like I'm not like I'm, I'm not like a hard representative of anything, but I know where I love to be and I know and I go where I'm loved. And, and in Boston, there's been many places where I've been loved. Like now, you know what I mean? Yes. So I do juggle with that, but I've visited those places and I've been able to accomplish a lot of stuff just by visiting and then bringing my butt back home um, to my room who I've made feel like I'm not even in Boston anyway. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with all the plants and all the, I've literally made it feel like I was in the forest somewhere. Every time people visited me, they're like, "Oh my god, this is like, this is like, where am I?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, this is this is what I've created for myself." So everywhere I go, I'm I'm loving my space and I'm going where I'm loved. And yeah, no, So- but we
1: we we think about that importance of of creating a space for artists to be able to grow. Like I think you're right. The the technology and the pandemic has kind of made the world flat for everybody in terms of, 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 of where they grow and build their art from and build their careers from. But I think we still as a city have some ways to go on creating a space that's welcoming and nurturing for artists and also to put them in a position where they can live and win. Like, you know, it, it's, it's absurd to me that, you know that anybody needs to feel the need to get up and leave. you know you what are we doing from the infrastructure side what are we doing from what are we doing to make it affordable for an artist who hasn't sold a million records to still be able to live like you know i I went to nashville not too long ago and when i was in nashville i'm looking at all the places where you can go to hear live music and if you're in nashville you can be a working
2: musician musician and never put out a record yo from the airport before yes. you even leave the airport there's live there's live instrumentation like in every everywhere of the airport in Nashville really everywhere. yes yes
1: yes like you get off the plane and you start hearing music they've they've branded themselves as a music city and i i wonder many times what could we do in boston to improve that for artists here for, for cultural create culture creators here and like think i think about people like you like it's great that you toured all those places but I want to get it to a place where people are coming here to see you, you know, or they're coming to town and they're discovering that there's a you here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'll also say that I think um, what Kevani had mentioned around Lawrence and, you know, immigrant communities across the state, like there's a lot of opportunity in Lawrence and Lowell and New Bedford and Chelsea, like for us to be able to, to make the most of these communities by making sure that we have the resources, the venues and the access to the opportunity so that folks can do things in local communities, and then put some of these places on the map as well. I'm hoping that we're putting Lawrence on the map through this conversation. If folks aren't familiar with it, in a sense, but there's a lot, there's a lot of magic, and, magic, and brilliance, and joy that's happening in Greater Boston and beyond. And we yeah. need to be able to really, I'd say, democratize the access to the opportunity and traveling out there. And you see, you know, shuttered venues and spaces that aren't really being utilized to their maximum potential. It's like, what's what's stopping us? From from doing it here <laughs> like why can't we open up and have have that vibe be maybe the the brand from Massachusetts overall like how do how do we get to a place where we can have that Nashville vibe in maybe our lifetimes I'll say
2: mm-hmm. you know what I find interesting too um th- now that you say you say it like that Nashville vibe you know one thing I find is that Boston doesn't have a style of music and I wonder if it's because we're such a, a melting pot. But like mm. when you go to D.C. and they got go-go. Yep. You know, when you go to Nashville and they got what is it, country over there? Mm-hmm. When you go to then down south, you know, Atlanta, they got their own bop down there. Yep. So it's like, what is the Boston sound? Have you ever thought of that? I've That's always been like, why? Mm. It, well, it you know been- what? Reason just- because of what we're talking about now, where it's like something needs to be cultivated in us, in order for us to kind of find our identity or something. I don't know. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like just everything. Like, you Boston is like GB General Business Bands, <laughs> weddings <laughs> and corporate events, right? And so you okay. do, like, you know, cocktail hour. Or you do like a top forty pop, but like what? there's no style of music like there is in D.C. or Miami or Atlanta or, or, well, I don't even know what Miami style is, but you know what I mean? But
1: I, you know what? I think there is an energy and a vibe in the city, and I, I think you're right. And it's funny, because I've had this conversation with people before, and I'm like, you know what? Toronto just basically took everything. Toronto has a lot of the same pieces that we have,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they just went kaboom with it. Like, So you think about it. There's a like heavy Caribbean um, influence. Yeah. Definitely. You know what I mean? Um, there's definitely a distinct hip-hop presence. And because we have such a college base, you're bringing sounds from all over the country because you're bringing kids from all over the country. So when stuff was more regional, you have people who are, they get on WERS and they play stuff from from LA or they play stuff, if they're from Atlanta, they play something from there along with the stuff that was kind of um, predominant here that was really connecting with college kids. So you have, we have this melting pot and, and then the other piece of it is we do have a pop sensibility. Like you gotta think of the stuff that we've given the world. We gave the world New Kids on the Block and New Edition. So mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. I would make an argument that there is a, there is an uh, argument to be made that there is a distinct hip hop, R&B yeah, and yeah. pop lineage right here in the, in the city of Boston. You gotta yeah. think, when you really think about New Edition one, their initial run when they put out their first album with Candy Girl, you know, when they did that first, the first few albums, but when they got to the point where Johnny joined the group, they had about a three-year run where somebody from from new, from the umbrella of New Edition had the number one record in the country. Yeah, Whether it was Ralph, Johnny, Bobby, or BBD, they ran Black music. And they were they were the they were the blueprint for black music for a long so that we don't get puffy we don't get any of that stuff without like the Michael Bivenses of the world.
2: Yep, yep, that's true. Very true. Very he was the true, first person true.
1: to get of his age group. He was the first person to get one of those um, label deals and all that kind of stuff when he was when he was at MCA. He was the first person that was coming into office with with you know with jeans and sneakers as opposed to wearing like the usual stuff. Like it was like him. It was at the same time. as was like Russell Simmons. It was all during that same era. Like he's as much a part of that changing of the guard as, as anybody else. So yeah. there, you know, I think that's a piece of our
2: sound. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. I wonder though, the way that it this, like the newer generation mm-hmm. um, right. the way that we recognize the, the what I, what I was more speaking on is like the way that we recognize so many other things as a part of history. I feel like our youth like that, they get so, you speak to them about that and they're so lost, like in the, (laughs) like they're so lost in, well, I guess whatever's happening right now, the oversaturation that's happening now. But one thing I can say about Boston undeniably has the best performers that i've seen anywhere i have traveled i've been to la i've been to new york i've been international and boston has the best performers hand down that i've ever seen in the world so it's going to be interesting when we pop off but
0: a high charge what what about boston's performers are give you give you that vibe give you that energy
2: just I, i don't like (laughs) <laughs> just we just are professional like we are professional performers compared mm. to what i've seen in other it's okay. like we are we are good at what we do we are entertainers and and i'm talking across the board from caribbean performers to live musicians to rappers to singers to whatever boston hands down has the best performers that i have seen anywhere that i have traveled and yeah, like I just I I hope that one day uh, we can truly be recognized for that, like I, we could be understood and seen, I guess, if you will. Um, because I, I think, feel like there's so, so much people, there's so much more to see. Right.
0: I
1: think I think when we start talking to, it's interesting to hear you say that about a Boston sound, because I feel like the things that you do with your music are really indicative of kind of that sound that comes out of of new england about boston about massachusetts like you know any like a record like war cry or whether it's like uh, or a song like don't you like like all those records have that energy that is really symbolic of everything that you told us about your life story like it when i when when i hear your music i hear what you just told us so okay. anybody who's heard is heard us talking today and is interested in hearing your music they definitely will hear the description of what you're talking about it like in 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 the songs and, and what you do and for you when you're creating your music when you're writing and when you're you're coming up with your approach to music there's a there's a very easy formula that everybody could tap into that you know and you're choosing not to go that way you know Why is it that you're choosing not to go that way? And what is it that kind of drives you to go in and make the musical or the creative choices that you make?
2: Um, Well, I'm an intuitive creative. um, And I just finally recently understood that and was able to put a name on it, if you will. Mm. Not that it needed a name, but it helped me definitely understand myself a little bit more. Um, But I'm I'm an intuitive creative. So sometimes I get a lot that comes to me fast and sometimes I get nothing for long periods of time um, but every single time I it does come out it's a it's a spiritual exchange it's something mm-hmm. that flows through me and it's something that is timely it's something that is intentional um, and so I really what's coming out of me is just coming out of me based on my life experiences as well like ooh, the way that God holds me accountable every time I write something um is quite the journey so there's nothing that I put out that I haven't gone through, that I haven't been tested through, that I haven't put through the fire through, um, w- whether it be while I was writing it or before or even after. Um, I'm, I'm very much held accountable. And so I don't really do it on purpose. It's just really what's coming out of me. And it's I, OK. And I'll, and I'll give you an example of why I think this happens, too. I, in my bio, I have that. I am, I represent a hybrid bilingual generation, right? So when I speak in English, people tell me that I have a Spanish accent. When I speak in Spanish, people tell me I have an American accent and I'm equally uh, fluent, if you will, in each, but I don't have either one mastered. So whatever, whatever that means. Right. So I think it's interesting that there's like a population that's right in the middle, of, mm. of the two that doesn't you know it's not one or the other it's a whole fusion of things and so what's happening is you're hearing latin jazz hip-hop r&b pop you know merengue bachata like all, all whatever all of that that comes with like my uh yeah like my jazzy melodies come from like when you listen to juan Luis Guerra. You, uh, he sings bachata mostly when you listen to Juan Luis Guerra you think it's, it's a jazz tune if you listen to his voice a cappella, you know what mm. I mean so it all intertwines it all intersects and I, I'm i not really doing it on purpose it's really just a fusion like a sancocho like a gumbo I see myself like a gumbo almost mm. and so that's literally how it comes out of me it's like you don't know what you are about to get on this part of the gumbo but it's gonna be good so that's why well, I got re- the only person out like right that, now. though
1: <laughs> and that, that's I'm sure that's how you found your audience. Like you're not the only person who, who exactly who's like that. So, like like you talked about being a part of a generation of kids who were the you know, the first some of them were the first born that were here in the United States, or they yeah. they mm-hmm. came as little, little kids, you know, they might have been one or two and didn't really know, like you know, they didn't know DR, PR, wherever they came from. Like mm-hmm. you're part of that full generation that, like you said, that was. You were Dominican at home, but you was American at, when you was in
2: school, and mm-hmm. you know,
1: and trying to figure out how to mix all those things together.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I agree. It's a, but yeah, the gumbo. <laughs> so speaking of the gumbo, when are we? Where are we
1: at with the gumbo? Where we is? It, where is it? Is it cooking? You got something planned? You know, the Embrace Ideas uh-huh. Festival is on the way. You're performing there. Are we going? to... What are are the people who are coming to the the festival that are going to see you perform? What can they expect?
2: Yeah, the gumbo is cooking. Or am I in meal prep? I think it changes all the time. It's not (laughs) linear. (laughs) It's not linear. I don't know if I'm preparing the ingredients or if I'm cooking it just yet. But I'm working on an album called uh, Agua Caoba. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be a fusion of love, healing, and all sorts of beautiful things and culture. And um yeah, I have like I've been performing unreleased uh music all over the place, taking risks with my with my life. But um there'll probably be some unreleased stuff because I'm the type of person where my creative process becomes uh, a part of my life. My life performance is a part of my creative process. And so I share things before they're done. I share them as they're still developing. Like there's pieces of some of these uh, songs that I did in virtual performances where I only vamped one part because I didn't have another part yet. Or Mm -hmm. there'll be parts where I've added a rap and before it used to be a guitar solo because I, you know, spirit hadn't dropped on me what I was supposed to add to that song yet. And that's just what it was for the moment. That's just where I was in the lesson. Um, So, it's almost too soon to tell what you're even gonna get but um yeah you'll probably get some more developments uh and unreleased stuff and also i'll throw war cry in there i'll throw some old school stuff from my first ep that i dropped called tres so yeah there'll be there'll be some some fun stuff
1: i heard i heard a rumor you know, because I have a tendency to... Reggie, let me tell you my story. Oh, my God. I have a tendency, Reggie, to be a, in, in places where, you know, people trust me, Reggie. They tell me things. They sure do. They share, they share stuff with me. And a, a good friend of mine, who is an incredible songwriter, told me that he has, like, two, three songs for Kaolani. Oh. Like, in the cut. But oh. waiting. So... I don't know whether you know where those things are at, where we're at with those. I'm just like I said, I hear, I hear things, Reggie.
2: Hear mm. Let me know. Oh i about it? <laughs> What'd you say? Has Kavani heard this? Like, she knows who I'm talking about. She knows exactly what I'm talking mm. about. Okay, and I, I know who he's talking about, Reggie.
0: I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a a special performance happening at the festival. Who knows? I mean,
1: it,
2: listen, mm. things could happen, Reggie. You know what I'm saying? Things could happen. You know, I hear possibly. That. I'm, I'm actually, you know, very good friends with the other artists and residents at King Boston. So, you know, and we all have natural chemistry, and we've been in the game together since like oh9 So, you know, there might be some just for fun, just because you know.
0: Like, are, are the Avengers going to assemble in June? Nah? Like,
1: <laughs> that's what I'm saying, Reggie. That's what we trying to, you know. Listen, I've. A, a few, few. I have a few uh, opportunities to make myself happy <laughs> and be purely selfish, and that was one of them. Like <laughs> when, when the idea of of our artists in residence this year, DJ Real P, uh, Amandy Music, and uh, and Kevani coming together to do some music, I'm actually super excited about. So I'm, I'm hearing that's a possibility, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and there's Craig's out here getting his Barry Gordy on. Oh. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> No, no, I just, yeah. uh, you know, I just introduced the idea. I'm hoping that it comes to pass.
0: And, hopefully, and hope be- the ideas are embraced, you know? Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Yeah. Embrace is the perfect <laughs> word. Exactly. Embrace, it goes with the embrace. Yeah, word. It's it's always, on, always on
0: brand, always on brand. Oh, yeah. on brand. Okay, you talked a little bit about... Um, You know, I've really appreciated hearing a little bit about how your process and your music isn't static. You know, you talked a little bit about how, you know, spirit might hit you to drop a guitar solo in here where you had a rap in before I'm curious also to get a sense of how how you navigate, like trusting that process. given, you know, I'm thinking about like intellectual property and putting, putting different pieces out here. Like, how do you, how do you navigate those waters while actively working to produce like this really high quality, really personal and really accessible experience for your, for your listeners and for your audiences?
2: Um, how do I navigate first? I release myself from people's opinions of me. Um, so that I'm Hmm. not walking in fear. And I have to like constantly affirm myself of that. Like, that's not easy. I ain't about to sit up here and act like, oh, I'm so free from people's opinions. Like, no, I literally have to remind myself every day and tell <laughs> directly to myself, to the person, to whatever. I release myself from your opinion of me. So I start with that, but... Um, As far as, uh, like, legalities and copyright and stuff like that, like, I really just be putting stuff out there. I have a checklist of things that I do to copyright my music uh, when I release things, uh, when it comes out. But um, in the meantime, when I'm performing it, like, I just don't, there's really no way to protect it. If it's unfinished, I would have to, like, copyright something different, like, a million times every time I add something to the song. So um yeah I'm kind of being irresponsible but that's my process and it's like live performance I, I struggled for a really long time in the studio for a really long time um um and I thought it had to do with energy exchange of not being able to be with people but recently I've been gone through a purging and I did a performance by myself for the first time in a long time just me on this um beautiful, Black box theater looking stage. Um, Shout out to my friend Ella. It was for her one year anniversary for her lung transplant, and we are so grateful Mm -hmm. for her life. And I performed there for the first time, but in a long time, by myself. And I the something happened with the sound at first, and I had to sing a cappella. And I sang the verse to this song that I'm working on that had just recently came to me. And when I heard my voice come back to me in the speakers, I had like an out of body experience, and like I heard. Like it was like spirit was talking to me through my own words, through my own voice. It was it was wild. And so um, I just stay present for moments like that. I stay present for when God tells me to move, I move because at the end of the day, God is bigger than all of this. Um, and so I, I guess I just, through affirmation, through releasing fear and uh, through trusting alignment above all is, is how I kind of get through it. I guess, so yeah, I have to do a lot of self-care, a lot of spiritual development. I got to use my tools to recharge, um, a lot of talking to God. Um, So yeah, I just kind of, that's how I navigate, I guess, if you will. I don't know if I answered your question, but.
1: Well, you know what, it's interesting as I hear you talk about that, um, as part of your process, do you make it a point to record yourself every time you perform live? Because if you're constantly adding and putting stuff into songs, It would make me wonder if you would be trying to capture yourself live.
2: Sometimes I do. I don't, I really don't make it a priority. Um, I, I add to it, not dirt, not in the live performance per se. I add to it like prior to, and then Mm -hmm. add it to the next performance. And so every performance is different than the last.
0: It's cumulative.
2: Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So. But I sometimes the, the most times actually now performances are recorded, like uh, my friend just randomly sent me a whole recording of a performance that she did of me one day. So they end up coming to me, and I'm like, "Oh, that was nice. Maybe I should do that or whatever." But yeah. otherwise, I do it more. I add things more on my own time because when I write, it's like sometimes it's so intense that like my body shakes, I have to go through the process of like releasing it, like it's a super spiritual experience um, I, and I'd be having to recover from it so it that doesn't necessarily happen on the spot. I do it privately in safe spaces and then I put it into the performances.
1: Okay. ahead, hmm. Reggie, you had, you had a question?
0: No, I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I think I'm really appreciative of this conversation, uh, especially given how energy is, is an exchange. And when you're thinking about putting music out there, when you're thinking about exposing yourself and telling your story, it's incredibly powerful to have that experience, but like you said, there's there's some there's some stuff associated with that. Making the space to do that privately is important, um, and then having to be vulnerable enough to put it out there. You know, the reason I asked that earlier question is that, uh, particularly in the nonprofit sector and, and perceptions of Boston, it's like you can't. Like Greg had said, you know, we folks don't think that you can do what you need to do here in Boston. But when you make the space for yourselves and you like lean into community, you can often find that. If you remove the blinders, you're actually much closer than you think. So I just, I'm just reflecting on that.
2: Absolutely, man. Boston will always be home base. Like, it's like you do what you can with what you have. And you got to be like... People leave uh it's avoidance sometimes why people leave. You know what I mean? Like it's just avoidance, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna find something better. But it's like if you didn't know how to take care of your resources back home, what makes you think you're gonna you're gonna cultivate healthy resources and relationships somewhere else? If you didn't have no follow through in Boston, you ain't gonna have no follow-through nowhere else either. You don't know how. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's interesting how people think, you know, like. That's the answer. Like, that's the key. Boom. It's going to pop off. But one thing I do, I will say though, is that I have seen, and it's even biblical, like it happened to Jesus, like leaving home, like for some reason in certain places that you go, they like praise the ground you walk on. If you ain't from there, unfortunately it's like humanity always wants what they can't have. And I think when people see that they get mistaken with, Oh, that's what I need right now. But again, like if you don't come with the discipline you know, the, you, if you don't come with the discipline you didn't have where you were before, you, you can't expect a, a better situation, a new beginning, a new, a whole new abundance when you're the same person. You know what I mean? And when I tapped into self, like, it doesn't matter where I'm at. Like, I can tap in to resource. But Boston is is definitely my number one place of resource, for sure.
0: How do you stay motivated? Oh, oh go, ahead. go ahead, Greg.
2: No, 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 go ahead, go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask, Kale. How do you stay motivated in your artist journey as well? I mean, you're you're talking about like real stuff, unpacking that, you know, sharing that, and then pulling it all together on a recurring and a cumulative basis. How do you just? How do you stay motivated? How do you stay up?
2: Well, I have multiple streams of peace, um, and multiple streams of expression and like purpose. Um, I love on people through music, but I also love on people through education. Um, and I, uh, worked with, uh, I'm an art, arts link teacher for Berkeley college of music. And so I, Berkeley, um, took, bought one of my curriculums and then they hired me to implement it at their partner schools. And so, um, I'm able to work with young girls or depending on the situation, I make custom curriculum, depending on the need of the establishment I'm going to be working for, but I, um, through education and I target the development of black communities and loving on black children, affirming black children and understanding, uh, helping them understand their greatness above all of whatever society puts in their face. Um, I do that as well outside of music. So the fact that I'm still able to um, have these energy exchanges with community and um, healing in other ways it's not just music uh it doesn't matter what I do if I'm talking to you I'm in my purpose if if I was connected with you through something completely different I'm in my purpose through whatever happens in our interaction you know what I mean so I don't just carry this purpose just in just because I'm singing I carry it in all that I do so when I was able to come to terms with that was when I had the most peace to be able to stay motivated long term and I started doing it on my own time when I realized that I was an intuitive creative like you can't rush the process, like you can't rush like what I'm supposed to learn on this journey and testify to people for, you know what I mean? Like I can't rush that. So I have to like be graceful with myself and uh, yeah, I had to give myself grace and, and love and have, like I told you multiple streams of purpose and peace and understanding that purpose is when I show up in the room and I'm my full self, like I'm being my whole self, whatever comes of whatever interactions happen in that moment I'm in purpose because I, I was being my whole self. And so I stopped trying to be doing something. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now I have a lot of peace just in life in general, because like I told you I've ex- in, earlier in the conversation, like I accepted the waves, like sometimes I'm busy, sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I got to be doing something every day that week. And then sometimes God is like rest for like three weeks, just chill out. And I need to make sure to not let society get into my brain and tell me that I'm lazy, tell me that I need to be doing something, tell me the the industry to tell me that I need to be living up to something, you know, that I need to the algorithms to pressure me into getting on social media if I don't have the mental capacity to be on social media at that time. You know what I mean? Like, so I block out society. uh, my biggest thing is breaking down social constructs and I do it in my curriculums as well.
0: So, yeah. We can talk about staying off social another day. That's a whole that's yeah, yeah. a whole, no, that's a whole
2: thing. But I'm just saying, you know, I stopped letting that type of stuff uh yep. influence me and control me and put, you know, like that. No. Amen. <laughs> Great.
1: Yes. Um, I was gonna say, you know, when when I hear you talk about your, your music and just your art as a as a whole, because I don't I don't you know, music is just one piece of what you you, you do when you create and which it which comes from you, but you know, if it feels like there's a higher purpose to or you're, you're working in a higher purpose than just, you know, the transactional nature that people sometimes have with art. Hey, I'm going to put this record out. You're going to like it. And then I'm going to come sing it for you and you're going to pay me. You know what I mean? You're, you seem like you're creating, you know, like obviously, you know, when those opportunities present themselves and they're right, you're going to take them. But at the same time, it also feels like it's just as important that you're connecting with people or you're, you're giving something that's a little bit more than just uh a tune for them to hum, you know. What mm-hmm, I mean? mm-hmm. Yeah, is yeah. That, de- is that the case for you?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, like I told you, I mean, it's all I. I get tried. I get put through the fire about everything I write. So um I like. I got to tell the truth, or spirit is going to call my bluff. And mm. so, that's kind of the energy I'm creating with. Like, unless I truly believe it, unless I'm truly embodying it, I try not to put it out there. Um, but yeah,
0: yeah, pretty much. Well, I'm excited. I mean, out, outside of the Avengers assembling in June, and maybe getting <laughs> some some other performances. Where can folks find you? What's on the docket for you know quarter two of 2022? Moving beyond that, like where can folks find you? What's what's next for K from this point?
2: Oh, some amazing things that I don't even know where to begin. But first and foremost, this album, which is going to be my first album. Right. So what do they call that, Greg? Freshman album. Uh, debut. debut. My debut. Um, uh, yeah, I'm working on that. I'm putting my heart and uh, my journey into that and documenting my journey so that uh, it's easier to to uh, create and flow through that project. Um, but in the meantime, I'll be dropping singles and I'll be performing and traveling. And yeah, I just, uh, yeah, doing interviews. Like I was just on um, with Sam, uh, Sam Patrick last night, uh, just did a, a, a live with him and some other amazing women. Shout out to Courtney Boston, Gija, um, and some other people. But that, uh, that was amazing. I've been I mean, this week has been one of those waves where I'm like doing something every single day. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll be taking time to rest. My website is www.keovani.com. I update it as much as my capacity allows and I do it myself. And I'm really excited about that. Cause I teach myself how to do everything at this point. Um, and yeah, um, shout out to Miso Brown, uh, which is my management company. Shout out to Miso Martinez. Uh, we're working on some amazing things this year. I'll be performing at NAM, uh, which is in June. I don't know if you guys are familiar with NAM. Um, mm-hmm. can you
0: can you say what NAM is for for viewers or listeners who haven't heard about it?
2: NAM is like a musicians convention, a yearly musicians convention that's held every year in um, Anaheim, California. And it's huge. People come from all over the world cost a bunch of money to go. And they basically set up a convention center with all sorts of different companies, il- uh, electronic mus- musical uh, instruments, sound production. Um, and it's it's like, it's the place to be for every musician in the world almost. And um, The
0: National Association of Music Merchants.
2: Yes, thank okay. you. And so um, I wasn't about to tell you that because I wasn't going to figure <laughs> that out from the top of my head. But yeah, so Nam is like, uh, they're doing a, adding a stage or something like that. They're doing something new this year. And I might be, you know, oversharing right now because I don't know what the heck is going to happen. But hopefully I'll manifest this then. Hopefully like moving forward, <laughs> whatever happens. But I'm supposed to be performing at NAMM. And I'm really excited about that. So this summer got some big things. That and some more stuff. Some amazing like producers that I met in LA and stuff like that, that I'll be working with. Um, and I just find in my journey right now, is very interesting. There's people like heavy hitters, like OGs in my life that I haven't seen in years, I'm, I'm starting to reconnect with and they're part of my musical journey. And it's kind of crazy that I'm also 33 this year. Well, I turn, I've been 33 since June. And I feel like the, some of the things I'm going through is not a coincidence. So this is like a huge year for me. Like by the end of, by the time I get to June, my life is gonna look completely different. So just, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess just be on the lookout on all the platforms and stuff. Oh, so that okay.
1: means June is gonna be a, a party party because yeah. June is when we do the festival, that's gonna be like your birthday time. Which, yep, what yep. day is your birthday? June, June 10th. Oh I'm a Gemini. Gemini. I see festival. you. Yeah. That's a week before yeah. the festival. Okay.
2: Yes, yes. What's up? your sign, Reggie?
0: I'm a Gemini. I'm June 6th. So
2: hey, you're right there too. <laughs> okay. We understand each other. Greg, what's your sign? I never knew your sign.
0: I am an Aquarius.
2: <gasps> oh, that's why Aquariuses and Geminis are besties. See? Makes sense. It makes sense. We travels
1: are The best sign. We're the people's champion. We're the best.
0: I don't know if that. I think that's all the time we have for yeah, today, folks. We We gotta go, Reggie.
2: Uh, you know, we gotta go. Yeah.
1: No, I, I'm I'm super excited about you being here. Just I know you're traveling all over the world. Just make sure you're in Boston in June. Just
2: to, just you know what I mean. You
1: know, all this I traveling suck. and all that stuff is good. Just be June. That week, from the thirteenth to the seventeenth, when we have the embrace ideas, uh-huh, so I uh-huh. need you here. Okay. We're you know, and then we're going to we're going to silk that 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 week too. Okay, yep. have you been? We yet? Clear
2: my have
0: calendar you... now.
2: Have I've you been? been I've been to a silk. Yes. I've been yes.
1: Well, we're going, and we're gonna have a good time.
2: Yes. All right. Got it. Understood, boss don't <laughs> see don't do that don't do that he no. done booked up he done booked up my whole week and they want to be like don't do that when i call him like this week you're gonna be doing this and this and this so make sure you're in boston thank you very much and I'll we're take, still-
1: okay fine okay fine i'm the boss don't take, take it invitation I've been call, to participate I've been called worse i've been called worse so i, I will
2: take right I didn't, I didn't say nothing bad i just said i heard about it. <laughs>
0: Okay, Vani, thank you for such a spirited and wonderful conversation. Your energy is incredible. It's been really great getting to speak with you and for me to get an introduction to you and your music. Excited for your debut, your freshman album to come out later this year. Damn. And we hope to have you back on the on the podcast soon. And if not, we'll definitely see you in June for the Embrace Ideas Festival. Yeah, and in the meantime,
1: we can definitely have anybody who's out there who's listening, go to any of your, your streaming platforms, K A O. V-A-N-N-Y. Kalevani, you're gonna find some good stuff that you'll enjoy, I'm sure.
2: Thank you, Greg. You did that. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Reggie, it was a pleasure to meet you. And Greg, you already know how I feel about you. I ain't gonna keep guessing you. I'm <laughs> Thanks. you. Like, Thanks. The boss, you give it to me. <laughs>
1: I'm say, this is crazy. This is horrible. I listen, and I and just as so so we close this out, Aquarius is still the best. Oh, Goodbye, folks. See y'all God. later. Bye. We'll see
0: y'all next time. <laughs>